Turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 1. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as one of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, skip on down. You may have to turn the page over to verse 41. If you'll do some reading, you'll see that between these verses we just read and what we're about to read, that Peter had kind of been preaching to these people. You know, they saw how goofy all of these people were acting, and they thought, oh, they're, they're all drunk or something, you know. And Peter began to preach to them, and before you know it, he preached the gospel to them, and, and there were some people saved. Verse 41 says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. In the same, ta- same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So like I told you all, the title of the message is Let's Start a Fire. And I know that you can tell by reading this, these verses, this scripture, that there was a fire started on the day of Pentecost. Now, if you look around, you'll see that everything is dry. There's a burn ban. You ain't supposed to burn nothing. You ain't even supposed to probably going to shoot fireworks on the 4th of July unless we get some rain. It's dry. And it don't take much, just a little spark to get out, and, and it'll just catch everything on fire. Fire will begin to spread so fast. You know, one time me and Rhonda were driving from Lufkin, and uh, somebody flicked a cigarette out of a car. And this was a few years back when we had another big, long dry spell. And we didn't see the thing hit, but we come right along behind them, and we saw a little fire spring up. I said, Rhonda, we better stop, because that thing will get out of control. And we pulled over, and before I could get out of the car, it had already spread probably a 10-foot area. And I was running around like an idiot out there stomping fire and pouring water bottles on it, everything we could do to put out this fire because I knew if it got out of hand, it'd be in the woods. And we got it put out. But you know, that same situation applies right now. If you were to go outside and, and light a match and throw it down, there ain't no telling how fast it would spread. It spread like wildfire. That's what it's called, right? Well, there ain't no reason why, spiritually, as dry as this community is, that there can't be a little fire started and watch it spread like wildfire. You see, there's people that are so dry right now that if any little thing got on them and and began to start a little fire in them, it would spread like wildfire. You know how it spreads? They go home and they tell somebody. They start praying for their friends and their family. And before you know it, one of them gets saved. Before you know it, one of them gets a little fire in them. 
And before you know it, they're praying for somebody else and talking to somebody else. And it just is a chain reaction that begins to develop because somebody said, I want to start a fire. You know, that doesn't sound good in the natural, but in the spiritual, it's a wonderful thing. In the natural, we don't want to burn the woods down. But in the spirit, oh man, let me start a fire. Let me start a fire. I don't want anything to... I don't want them flying over with helicopters dumping water on it. I want to get something going. I want to, I want to start pouring something into somebody else. The thing about a wildfire is once it gets started, it's hard to contain. And y'all know... Looking at this scripture we just read that, you know, there wasn't 3,000 people in that room praying. I don't know how many there was. There's probably quite a few, but there wasn't anywhere near 3,000. But they went outside and began to let the Holy Ghost work in them and through them. And, and they were able to begin to spill out onto some other people. And before you know it, that day 3,000 people were saved. Now look, I'm not, I don't necessarily expect God to do that here. There ain't 3,000 people in Kennard. But you know what? There's 300. And there's plenty of people surrounding Kennard. And I guarantee y'all, if we will be obedient to God, we'll be like these people sitting there on the day of Pentecost, of one mind, of one accord, getting together, praying, seeking God, and standing on His promises. Y'all, they were there because they were standing on the promise that Jesus gave them. He said, tarry until I give you power from on high. You see, if we come together like that because God would have us to. Being of one mind, all about the same purpose. Not trying to enact our own agenda on anything. Not trying to bring our own personal feelings into it. But we're looking for God to move on some people. Y'all, the thing I want most right now in my life is to, is to affect somebody. It's to impact on somebody's life. Especially those that don't know Jesus. We have got to reach out to these people. We've got to start a fire that will spread to them. You know, this is just a little small group of people here tonight. But y'all got family. Y'all know people. You go to work and you work with people. People that ain't even in Canard. You think these little handful of people can't make a difference? Oh, I'm going to tell y'all what. You get just a little bit of people on fire for God. It's all it took on the day of Pentecost. Just a little bit of people. And the fire got started in them. The Word said that the Holy Ghost was on them and it looked like fire, like cloven tongues of fire on them. Now, I don't expect to see that. I don't really care to see it, honestly. But I want the same power. I don't need God to show some magnificent thing like that. I don't need the proof. I know it's there. I know it's available. I know He can do the same thing without showing us that. But we've got to get fired up. We've got to get something in us that nobody else has. Man, I'm going to tell you all, 
y'all go to some of these churches. You talk to some of the people from these churches. Man, they're hungry. They don't even know it yet. Now, ain't that a sad state to be in? You ever seen somebody that was just so skinny and dried up looking and you offer them something to eat? No, I ain't really hungry. How could you not be hungry? Look at you. Huh? Y'all ever seen anybody like that? People are the same way spiritually. Oh, that's okay. I'll just sit here and, and be quiet. Don't even know how... What they're missing out in the Spirit. They're missing the food that God has provided. The thing that's going to strengthen them and empower them to do His will. And they're, no, I'm not all that hungry. It don't make any sense. It don't make any sense, but you know what it is? is they, They have filled themselves up with other things. They filled themselves up with other things. You know, other things can take the place of God. We can allow other things to take the place of God in our life. And we get so full of other things. You know, when I was a kid, my mama would tell me, now don't eat that, it's getting too close to dinner. You'll spoil your dinner. You know, a piece of pie or some candy or whatever, you know, something sweet. And you probably told your own kids that, and you kids, you probably heard that all your life. Don't eat that, you're going to ruin your dinner. It didn't matter, though, because you wanted the sweet thing, right? I ain't worried about dinner. I want this. This is much better than dinner. But see, the parents know what's better for you. God knows what's better for you. You say, no, I ain't worried about that right now, God. I want to fill myself up on these things over here that are so tasty and sweet. See, the Word says that even sin is pleasurable for a season. It's pleasurable for a season. That sweet candy's pleasurable for a season, ain't it? But there comes a time when you say... You know what? I've had enough candy. I really want something to eat because this candy is not providing the nourishment I need. There comes a point in time where even my son will come to me and say, Daddy, I'm hungry. It may be two or three days of him eating whatever he wants to. But there comes a point he wants some meat. He wants something to feed him. Spiritually, we can feast on all these other things and get so full, we don't have place for God in us. We don't have a place to allow God to fill us because we're already full of other stuff. And that's why we can't get on fire for God. That's why we're lacking that fire, that desire and hunger, that zeal for the Word of God because we're so full of everything else. Man, y'all can't tell me that ain't the truth. I know it's the truth because <laughs> I do it. I get so full of everything else. I don't have time for God right now. Man, that's hard. That is hard to, to keep that other stuff. Now I'm going to wait till I got time to spend for God because if I fill up on all this right now, I ain't going to care nothing about it. But see, when you, when you grow up in life, in the natural, you get to a point where you understand 
I really need to eat the good things instead of wasting time on all this other stuff. Oh, it's still good. But that's why they make dessert for after the meal. So you fill up on the stuff that's good for your body, and then if you got a little room, you get some of that too. I'm not trying to draw a connection between your spiritual nature and it's okay to have a little bit of sin in there. I don't want y'all thinking that. <laughs> Let's not go to that direction yet. But what I'm telling you is, as you mature in the natural, you understand I need the nourishment first before I partake of that other. You learn the order. You begin to put other things before your fleshly desires. So in the Spirit, as you mature, you ought to be doing the same thing. You ought to be saying, look, I want a fire started in me so I can start a fire in somebody else. In order to do that, I need to fill myself with the things of God. I need to focus on that first. If i got a little time and I want to go watch some TV later on, that's fine, but I focused on God first. And I filled myself with Him first. You know, it may come a time when I get so full of the things of God, I don't care nothing about watching TV then. I don't care nothing about those kind of things. because Y'all ever ate a meal that was just so good and you got done and you said, I ain't got room for dessert. This other stuff was just so good. I... See, that's where we ought to be. That's where we ought to be. We ought to be getting so full on the things of God that we ain't, I ain't even worried about that other stuff anymore. I don't even care about it because I got all. I'm, I'm full right now. I'm just overflowing. That's where we need to be. We need to be looking to God for our source of provision. I don't know if it's because it's hot in here or what. I cannot get my throat wet today. <clears throat> like I think I said this a while ago, but all it takes sometimes is a little spark. All it takes is one little group of people to get on fire and to get a little spark started in somebody else. And when that begins to happen, y'all, and it's going to happen, I promise you. See, this is the way God works. God always takes a little bit and makes abundance come out of it. God always takes just a few and does mighty, wonderful things. You don't ever see Him take a lot of people and use them hardly. God doesn't... Now, I'm not saying He don't use a lot of people. I'm saying when He's really going to do something magnificent, He usually just takes a few. Because He wants everybody to see that it's, it's Him that's doing it. You know, we can all get together and get thousands of people and take our money and pull them and do some wonderful things that even may seem spiritual. But when God does something and He takes just a handful of people, He gets the glory for it. And that's what I want. That's what I want to see happen. But it's going to take us... Y'all, you've got to get the right frame of mind. You've got to get to a place where you can put everything else aside and say, God, 
I'm going to spend time with you. Start a fire in me, Lord. Start a fire in me. Y'all, this is what's what it takes. We have got to change our attitude. We've got to change our mind and, and focus on the things of God. Listen, this is my hardest thing that I have to fight. The hardest thing I have to fight is putting all the things of this world aside and focusing on God. Giving Him the priority in my life. Man, that is my hardest battle. Because there's so many other things vying for my attention. Every time I turn around, there's something else that's just right there. Oh, I'll just do this real quick. Or I'll do this over here real quick. This won't take but a second. And before you know it, you don't have time for God anymore because you've allowed everything else to take priority. We've got to change that. We've got to change that mentality. You know, a hundred years ago, they didn't have TVs and all this other stuff, that, and internet and computers and all these things that take our time. They didn't have it. And I don't know, maybe it, was, maybe it was a little easier then. I don't know. There may have been other things then that stole their attention. But we've got to change. We've got to change our mentality. God needs to be first. If we want to do something for God, we've got to make Him first. God won't take second. He won't take it. He won't stand for it. You know, we talked this morning about the Israelites and those that would wholly follow after God. We've got to have that kind of attitude. We've got to say, God, we want you to move and do something. He's going to say, okay, what are you going to do? See, if, we, if, if God is going to move in us and He's going to do something through us, He's going to require us to do something also. He's not going to move on His people and work through His people with us just hanging out. You know, just because we show up and open the doors, people ain't just going to flood in here and get saved. It takes work. Man, I know I've been telling you all that over and over, but I'm preparing you for it. I want you to get it. You know, the, the TV can brainwash you into anything. And I'm trying to brainwash you now. I want you to get it in your spirit. And every time you think about it, I want you to be thinking, I need to change. I need to change my, my old fleshly nature, set it aside, and begin to walk in the Spirit. You know how many times I have to tell myself that every week? Kevin, you need to be walking in the Spirit. Kevin, you need to walk in the Spirit. Kevin, you need to walk in the Spirit. I have to tell myself that constantly. And every time I'll, I'll look up, I'm doing something in the flesh, and I'll say, what am I doing? Kevin, you need to walk in the Spirit. You know why I'm doing that? I want it to be in the front of my mind. I want it to be the thing I'm thinking on the most. I don't care how you have to do it. You do what's necessary for you, but you have got to get that flesh in submission. Romans chapter 8 says to mortify the deeds of the body. What does that mean? What does the word mortify mean? Most of y'all think it means I'm embarrassed. That's not what it means. It means to put to death. 
mortify the deeds of the body. Put them to death. That's pretty plain. That's pretty plain. But you know what I find myself doing? I'll find myself doing something that this is just total, total flesh. What, why, am I, why do I find myself over here when I need to be over here walking in the Spirit and I have to snatch myself back? You know, that word doesn't just mean put to death. It also means to turn your back on. See, we need to turn away from our old ways. Back in, uh, oh, where's that? I believe it's in Chronicles. Solomon was telling the people, you know, he was a wise man. <clears throat> I've even heard a song that Brother Danny sang one time. I don't remember if he wrote it or if it was one he just heard. But Anyway, the Scripture says that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, is that it? No, he said, and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and I will hear their, heal their land. So you see, God requires, that's part of repentance. That's part of receiving forgiveness is turning away from those old ways. Turning away from those fleshly things. You want to start a fire in your life? You can't do it by continuing in the same old ways. You can't do it. Because see, that those old ways are like water. They will water you down. You try to burn wet wood and it just don't work very well, does it? See, I don't want to smolder. I don't want to smoke and stink the place up. I want to be a fire. Y'all ever had a fire that was good and hot? And, you know, it just... It's like it's burning clean. It doesn't stink the house up and everything because it's a good hot fire, dry wood. That's how we need to be, y'all. Get that old stuff out of the way. Y'all, man, if you have to hit something different every day, do what you got to do. But get rid of that old stuff because it's holding you back. It's holding you back. We need to purge ourselves. That's why David prayed, and y'all have heard me quote this before. It's in Psalms 135, I believe. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me. He wants God to, to examine him and point out anything that's wrong. You know, the first time you pray that, you're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to say, Oh, man. And I guarantee you, as you're praying it, you already know something you need to get rid of. I promise you, because every time I pray it, I do. I start praying it, and I already... Okay, guy, I know. I don't have to finish the prayer. I'm sorry. Help me get rid of it. But see, that's the thing. We're supposed to be Christ-like. We're supposed to be Christ-like. You know, when, when Jesus spoke, 
He spoke with authority. He spoke with passion. When's the last time you spoke to somebody with passion? Really, you really had a heart for what you were saying to them. That's hard to do unless you really got it in you. Unless you really got, you're, you're fired up about it. You got a fire in you about whatever it is you're telling them. It's hard to do. You can't fake passion. You really can't. You may, you may appear enthusiastic, but people know the difference in enthusiasm and passion. That's how we need to reach people. That's the only way we're going to be able to reach people is to be passionate about what we're telling them. We're going to have to tell people some things, y'all. Y'all need to ask yourself the hard questions now. You need to be already planning. What am I going to say if somebody asks me this? See, being on fire for God, the only difference I see is when you start a fire, it just takes off. doesn't require any more work. But that's not how it works with God usually. Usually we have to continue to supply fuel to the fire. We have to keep, keep trudging on and pushing through. And God will supply the fire. But we have to stay willing. We have to stay able. 